0: Welcome to Across the Pond, a Christian commentary on the way of Jesus in the world today, with the co-founders of Red Letter Christians, Dr. Tony Campolo and Shane Claiborne. Red Letter Christians gets its name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red, and we are aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. Some episodes of this podcast have been adapted from our radio show, Across the Pond, which airs on Sunday afternoons in the UK on Premier Radio. Thank you for listening. Let's jump into this week's episode with Shane Claiborne.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Shane Claiborne, and the name of the show is Across the Pond. We call it Across the Pond because I'm in the United States, and we're uh, on the East Coast here, uh, but we're thinking about the whole world, and we're thinking about how our faith connects to the big issues that are affecting our brothers and sisters, and uh, I, I get to have some amazing Friends on this show, and I want to tell you just a little bit of the backdrop about my guest today. She uh, is an amazing woman. She's an amazing uh, has her own story, but she's also doing beautiful work on the border between uh, the U.S. and and really Latin America, South America. And uh, we we met. Check this out. You got to hear the a little bit of this story. So, first of all, the community that I've been a part of in Philadelphia for the last. 25 years is called The Simple Way. And two of the folks that really shaped me and our community uh, over the years are this Salvadoran couple, Ruth and Alex Orantes and their family. They've been up to Philly. We've been down to El Salvador. And so much of the organizing of the base communities and the faith-fueled movement against the violence and the oppression of the Salvadoran people, I mean, it really shaped us. We've got murals that you can see Um kind of the Salvadoran touch on them. Our theology has a Salvadoran flavor to it, the liberation theology. Um, And so we're going to talk about all that. But our guest is Dora Rodriguez, who I met on the border ride that we just did, my friend Doug Paget and so many others organized this bike ride along the southern border from California to Florida, over 3200 miles, and I, I gotta say I didn't do all that but I did a little piece of it here and there, and I got to be down in florida for the finale and that's where i got to spend time with dora so first of all welcome mi hermana welcome
2: (laughs) gracias mi hermano (laughs) buenos dias in arizona in tucson arizona
1: (laughs) yeah buenos dias and uh the 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 our first encounter was really beautiful right so we're having this dinner as we just uh, put our front tires in the uh, Atlantic Ocean after many of our friends had driven hundreds and hundreds of miles on their bikes, but mostly listening to stories along the border. And you and I are sitting together and we're talking. And I mean, El Salvador <laughs> is it's not a huge country, but it was right. unbelievable <laughs> that you know. Uh, we have our mutual friends, the Arantes. Um, uh, I know right. him as Alex, and you, you, you. We started talking about all this, and we we realized that we've got this really great friend that we share in common, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and so no, we it, FaceTimed yeah. him, right? We called him at the <laughs> restaurant. And, you know, it, it was just beautiful. But yeah. your own story is so uh, moving, and um, I've just heard glimpses of it, but. I think it fuels so much of the work that you do now, and who you are. So, give us a little bit of the backdrop, Dora, of um, of your your own story, um, and, and, and why why it's important because it's it's really the backdrop for the work that you do now.
2: Right. I mean, I think that. Well, good morning, everyone who's listening, and thank you for spending some time with us. Um, you know, I believe really that each of us have a story. Each of us have a motivation of doing things in life, a purpose. And uh, to me personally, you know, my journey started when I was only 19 years old. And the the civil war in my country, El Salvador, uh, was in the beginnings, you know. And um, as we know, the war went on for 12 years and killed more than 75,000 people in my country and like you say jay my country is very small it's uh, the size of arizona or smaller and um, you know it was a lot of going on and then the killing of the bishop romero and the nuns from the mary knoll congregation and the, Jew- and the and the priests they were killed so it was it was very terrifying so it wasn't mm-hmm. enough for us to flee our own country and I, as I tell everyone, no one leaves their country, their families, their culture, or their loved ones just because it's fun. You leave you you what you love the most because it's life or death. Yeah. And that was my case. You know, I uh, was young. I was a prime uh, victim for the for the uh, squads. You know, their form from militaries, uh, uh, retired militaries. So I left and. Um, I left seeking safety in this country. Mm-hmm. But during my journey was in 1980 in the summer, and the hot summer in Arizona reaches up to 110, 115. Uh, the year that I crossed, uh, of course I crossed illegally because there was no thing of giving asylum to anyone, even though we were seeking refugee due to the war. So we had it to do with the wrong way. As people said, why you don't do it the right way? Because there's no right way. Nobody gives you the
1: opportunity. Uh, So you have to go the other route. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that a little bit because, but for mm-hmm. folks that are maybe in uh, the UK or other countries, a little of the backdrop of this is so important because the US was very complicit in right. supporting the violence there. And uh, right. Dora, you know, we we um, we now know that some of the soldiers that created such terror in El Salvador, horrific things. I mean, I, I've i heard the stories and you've seen them, you know, of, of what they did to kill children and families, terrorize. Yeah. Many of them were trained by the United States Army in schools yes. like, like the former school of the Americas in, in Fort Benning, Georgia. And, yes. and, and yet the faith of the Salvadoran people was an affront to all of this, this violence. And um, when we were down there, Dory, you know, our friends told us that one of the, the propaganda tools was Uh, uh, put out there to do something patriotic for El Salvador to kill a priest or a a nun and that's that's what happened to many of them because they were near to the suffering they were um, uh, calling for an end to the the repression and and Oscar Romero was killed in the middle of mass right as he as he was serving mass to his people so yeah right right So you, you came, keep going. I just wanted to give a little bit more, uh, you know, the backdrop for some of the folks that might not be familiar with the history, but especially with the role that the U.S. played in fueling the violence. And that's so important because, you know, it gives us even more of an obligation to try to show hospitality and love to um, immigrants that have been victims of of some of these regimes that we've supported.
2: Right, and and then it goes back to, to exactly, what was happening in our country you know that our war was supported financially by the united states and there's no secret to anyone it was what was done and the contradictory thing about that was that we were all fleeing our country and we were all denying a place to stay you know mm-hmm. a place to be safe it was uh, because if they wouldn't let us stay as a refugees it wouldn't be like Contradicting what they were
1: doing, correct? Right? I mean, you <clears throat> think of even right now, you know, the images that went global around the Haitian crisis in Del Rio, and we're right. literally like <clears throat> sending, you know, thousands of people pushing right. them as far as we can back to Haiti with their children and families. And then many of our politicians and preachers are saying, pray for Haiti, (laughs) you know, and the irony that we want to pray for you as long as you stay in Haiti. But the minute you're trying to escape these situations, whether it's Syria or Haiti or El Salvador, uh, we feel like this is just God's responsibility, not ours. Right. Right.
2: Right. Right. It is just like, pray. It, it, It makes me believe of when I tell people I'll pray for you. And I say, yeah, pray, but it has some action to it too. You know, yes. it, it has to be within action with the movement. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> you know, going back to my journey, um, I was like, I was saying only 19 and then we, uh, you know, pig smugglers, which is a very common practice. When you want to come to the United States illegally, you pay thousands of dollars and risk your life from the moment you leave your country. So, um, to make a long story short, you know, we uh, were left behind in the hot desert in July uh, July 1st of 28, 28, uh, 1980. And it was 26 of us, 26 Salvadorians. Pretty much most of us was, were young and middle-aged people. And um, 12, 13 people died of the heat because mm. we were left behind. We, yeah, You know, we were robbed pretty much by the dream or safety and um, three sisters die, which are the ones that really I tell everyone mark my life forever until I go because they were only 12, 14 and 16. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were coming to meet their mother in, in Los Angeles, because they have been separated for five years. And mom has saved all this money and trust smugglers to pay for her daughters to come. Mm. But they all three die in the desert, mm. also pregnant women, and they all die next to me. And I couldn't do anything about it. I was the same way, you know, half an hour, they were told us that if we wouldn't be found, none of us would be alive. Mm. So, you know, that was the tragedy that had happened in our journey. But <clears throat> like you were saying before, Um, For many years, I stayed very quiet with my story because it's very traumatic and it's very painful, you know, to go into details. And every time I say my story, it just brings back those memories. But I realized this telling my story is bringing right now awareness of what really is going on in our borders, you know. And uh, when the last president uh, came in, and they started calling us rapists, killers, the worst of the worst. I felt that it was the perfect time for me to come out and say, listen, I was given a chance and I am not a rapist. I am not a criminal. I contributed to this beautiful country who gave me life, you know? And I know as many, many of my brothers and sisters that I meet at the border That's their intention. They just want an opportunity. They just want a better life for their family, their children. They're just fleeing violence. And yet they are denied every single day, every single day.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So we're going to we're going to keep going, y'all. But I want to just pause for a moment to say if you're just tuning in. Uh, I, I'm Shane Claiborne, and the show is Across the Pond, and we're listening to Dora Rodriguez, who has become uh, a new friend of mine and also a hero of mine, a, a shiro of mine, who uh, is much more than, um, uh, uh, she is a refugee uh, uh, back in the day, but she's now an incredible leader. Who is heading up an organization that you can find online called Salva Vision and it's at salvavision.org, right, Dora? Yeah, salvavision.org. Salva Vision. I got to work on my, my. Uh, I've had three years of Spanish, but it's uh, it's rough, <laughs> sister. Um, but we're, we're going to keep talking because I want to hear about <clears throat> your work, but I didn't want to cut you off because your journey is such an important part of this. And as we, it, I think I, I've seen in the church, we're often very good at talking about people that we don't know, (laughs) know, whether it's Muslims or immigrants or refugees or whatever. And I, mother Teresa used to say it's very fashionable to talk about the poor, but not as fashionable to talk to them. And there's lots of people that have opinions about the border, you know, and immigration, but until we can have some compassion to begin to, um, uh, put names and faces on an issue that is hurting so many people that are made in the image of God. Like this is not just an issue to debate, These are, you know, neighbors to be loved. And so I want you to talk about uh, your work a little bit. I mean, it, it's obviously been shaped by your story, but uh, it's it's incredible work that many of us were able to visit briefly on the, the border ride, the bike ride uh, that we were on. So tell us a little bit about how it started and what you're doing now and how people can support it.
2: Well, um, SalvaVision came alive. Uh, First of all, I want to say that I have been involved in humanitarian aid in Tucson, Arizona, where I found amazing people give me uh, support, you know, after we were found in the desert almost to the moment of death. So since then, I have been involved in... You know, with organizations in different ways. But I never occurred to me to do my own organization. And so I saw the, the great, great need at this moment in our borders. So in 2016, uh, Salva Vision came alive and it was in, in, with the intentions only to help uh, returnees in El Salvador, creating work, creating jobs so they don't have the need to migrate again. But as I went on and a year later, I saw the need of support in our border towns. and it was in my backyard. You know people die every single day trying to cross the desert due to the deterrence that our government had set in place. So I we got big and big. I mean, when I say big in our services, we are a very small organization with my daughter who is my right hand and my older son and a couple of friends, but we do the work. So uh, we are present every day in our borders, uh, delivering aid, delivering donations, uh, hygiene items, food, um, you know, whatever the need is. But due to Title 42 that was implemented in March due to the pandemic in the United States, uh, which we know that it had nothing to do with immigration, it is for health. Purposes, but it has been illegally turned into immigration purposes. Mm. So what happened is when our brothers and sisters get to our border and ask for asylum or protection, they are turned away to the nearest border town immediately. So a crisis was happening in our very very remote area in our town, ta- in our forty five minutes from my house, and um, it, immigration border patrol was deporting one hundred and fifty migrants a day. Mm, Every mm. single day, and any time of day, in the middle of the night, at three in the morning, with freezing weather, mothers with twelve-year-old kids, babies, anyone. So yeah. we, I came in and we uh, saw the need. So we start delivering almost seven hundred meals a week, a week for mm. our people. They were receiving in the border town seven hundred bottles of water, seven hundred bottles of get whatever you know to kind of put a little in that, in that wound. So due to that, the only beautiful thing I believe that has happened from Title 42 in us being involved in that little town, that remote town, when I say remote, there is no transportation, there is no hospital, there is no shelter, there is nothing but a plaza where our brothers and sisters were spending the night, but it is a hub for the organized crime. Mm -hmm. So they go back to the smugglers and they are robbed, they are beat up, they are raped, they are hurt. But this is what Title 42 has been doing in our borders. Since the beginning.
1: So tell us uh, for, you know, there's folks that are listening in other countries, especially in the UK. There's some folks that will listen to this afterwards that are in the United States. What are some really concrete ways that people can be supportive right now? Um, I mean, I think it makes a big difference if you go down and you see and experience your work. So some people may be able to do that. But there's other ways too, right? There's, I, I know that when we were talking about this, there's ways that folks in the US can sponsor or support asylum seekers, either um, they can do that by financially supporting, but they can also do it by becoming a legal sponsor and, and trying to help them uh, acquire status here, right?
2: Right. I mean, that is a long-term commitment. But, uh, you know, we still have lots of uh, our brothers and sisters detained in detention centers. It's just here in Arizona. We have four of those, and they're packed to the mats. So people usually can't get out because they do not have a sponsor. And so that is something that, we, you know, I have sponsored more than 50 people because we have to. Otherwise, they are in detention for no reason. and uh, But, yes, you can always, like you say, Financially, is always help because we're able to provide what is needed immediately to our people in our borders, you know. But you also, I always tell people, if you are so far away, then you are interested in knowing more about it, you know, learn more about what are we doing and what's really happening with our immigration laws in the United States, which I know is a global issue, is a, a worldwide problem. Mm-hmm but uh, you know get uh, some uh, write to your legislators write letters uh be proactive, you know, like ride a bike for God's sake like you guys did and you're just <laughs> creating awareness. It's just amazing to me. That I is think, I think it's amazing. exactly
1: right. We can all do something, you know. Not right. all of us can do everything, but all of us can do something. And Anything even for you else. that are, you know, outside of the United States, asking questions about uh, how, how we can better welcome people who are coming out of really desperate situations. I mean, this is not just one of many political issues to debate in Parliament or in Congress. Congress, but this is a spiritual crisis. I mean, our faith, um, calls us to welcome the foreigner as if they were our own flesh and blood. Uh, The New Testament says that uh, in Hebrews, that when we welcome the foreigner, we better be very careful because we might be entertaining angels unaware. And of course, Jesus says, when you welcome the stranger, you welcome me. That the true test of our faith is James says, how we care for the widow and the orphan. So this is not just a, a political responsibility. It's an invitation For us to be Christians, (laughs) right? right. It's an invitation for Mm -hmm. us to practice what we preach and to really make love concrete. And I was in the UK and I saw this whole network, Dora, of Christians who were welcoming uh, Iraqi refugees and Afghan refugees. And a lot of it was fueled by the church. So we've got to have imagination right now to think about how we can use the empty space in our buildings or the extra room in our home to create space for folks that, um, some of these invitations are really concrete. I mean, we can literally welcome people in our homes. If that's too, uh, you know, not a possibility, we can sponsor families or individuals financially. We can support the work of wonderful folks like Dora of, uh, and make sure you go to uh, uh, salvavision.org. It's a little better (laughs) that time, didn't I? And support uh, her work. So um, we've got just a few minutes left, Dora, a couple minutes for uh, if there's any story or any, anything else you want to share? I mean, I think your grace and your joy is so contagious. And I I think I got to just mention that at one point um, it was, you mentioned that it's been a complicated relationship between your, your children's father, because he's a border patrol agent. And your kids have really caught the vision for this. But to me, like when I, when I heard that our heads were all spinning, but in the other way, we weren't surprised at all because it shows like, um, yeah the 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 the, your your love is so contagious and yet i know that was a terrible relationship that you know is kind of evolved from from what it was but uh, maybe talk to to those you know if you want to share any more from your heart but also for folks that this may not be on their radar and it should be you know like how how we can maybe get more and people involved in the kind of work you're doing
2: yes and i like i i say it again you know it's uh if you are so, so far away and you feel helpless, please don't feel helpless. We are able to, you know, communicate now with technology is an amazing thing. We are blessed really with technology if we use it in the right way, <laughs> because, you know, we can communicate for anybody from the other part of the world. We can hmm. give you a tour of our borders while you are in other countries, you know, in other continent. And you can learn more about us and you can learn of the reality of what's going on in these borders. So it is very very important when you talk to your families, your people at church. I think this is how we create this beautiful sanctuary, this beautiful network where people said, oh, I'm 2000 miles away, but I can help in creating awareness. I just need to talk to Dora and learn a little bit more about the everyday life. Uh, of borders and please you know i'm here
1: <laughs> mm, thank yeah. you so much uh, <laughs> And we'll, we might have you back. I, I want to just keep learning from you and listening to you, but we're Thank out you. of time for the show today. Uh, uh, you've been listening to Dora Rodriguez, who heads up Salva Vision, and you can find it at salvavision.org and support their wonderful work. Uh, I got to meet her on our bike ride with, that uh, was called We the People Ride. And if you go to our website, you can see Dora's work, but also links to all kinds of other people doing beautiful work on the border. And uh, for those of you that are listening in other countries, please, uh, um, all of us be praying and also putting feet on those prayers by saying, what can we do to be more welcoming, more compassionate, more hospitable? to uh, folks that are having really difficult situations that they're coming out of. And uh, most of our countries can do a better job. So let's let's try to do that. And uh, it's yeah. a gift to, to know you, Dora, and to support your work, to know what you're doing. And one of the visions I'll just leave everybody with was on the border at one point, we gathered along the border wall and uh, folks on the Mexico side and folks on the US side sang each other songs right across the border and then served each other communion through the breaks in the border wall, (laughs) just a powerful image. Right. And I think of the invitation of Jesus that we are to be born again is really literally for us an an invitation to see beyond our biological family, beyond our national family. And to look across these artificial borders and these concrete walls and say, if someone's suffering on the other side, it's just as tragic as if it were my own mother or my own brother right. or sister or daughter. So yeah. uh, thank you for your love and for your grace, Dora. This is uh, my spiritual mother here, Dora Rodriguez, <laughs> what you've been listening to. So thank you.
0: Thank you so much. And uh, let's keep doing the good work. To find out more information on the bike ride Shane participated in, including an upcoming event, check out the Common Good Immigration Events on March 22nd through March 24th. You can find more information on votecommongood.com or wethepeopleride.org. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to know more about Red Letter Christians, please visit redletterchristians.org for resources, upcoming events, and to connect with other people who are passionate about Jesus and justice. You can follow Shane Cleborn and Red Letter Christians on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you'd like to support our work with a one-time gift or by becoming a monthly sustainer of the movement, please visit our website and click on the red donate button. Thank you for tuning in.